0: Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. A man called into an L.A. radio show with a segment called Confess Your Crime in order to confess to ending the life of his girlfriend. But was he ever found, and is the story really that simple? Back in 1990, on Rock FM 106.7, a radio channel in Los Angeles, Kevin Ryder and Gene Baxter, better known as the morning hosts Kevin and Bean, were hosting a recurring comedy segment on their show, one that they called Confess Your Crime. As per usual, most people calling into the show were confessing to less serious, more comedic sorts of crimes such as stealing a bowling ball, sleeping with both a woman and her mother, and deliberately running over a cat. Uh, Definitely arguable if that one is comedic. Like, what the f***? Then the two DJs got a call that would certainly disturb them far more than any other that they had received so far. It was then that a man, who the DJs described as whacked out and disturbed, called into the station to confess to something much greater. Noting that he wasn't from L.A. and that he was only calling in to confess, he said, I heard you guys talking. I really need to tell somebody about this. I had this girlfriend for like about six years, and we were right on the verge of getting married and all of that stuff. And I came home and caught her with somebody, a good friend of mine, as a matter of fact. Ryder and Baxter, not really knowing where this call was going, kept up their comedic act. However, the call would grow darker. Eventually, the man admitted to beating his girlfriend up. uh, Very severely. Fatally, in fact. Quietly, he muttered, I don't know if she made it through, though, actually. The duo then asked him, Is there a chance, seriously, that you killed her? Quietly, the man responded, Yeah, I know I did. According to the man, some of his friends and even some of his co-workers were investigated in relation to the crime. However, he himself was never caught. He was never arrested. The DJs then, trying to get him to stay on the line, offered to get the man some help. However, he then abruptly hung up. After which, the DJs contacted the authorities. It blew us away said Baxter in an interview. The only thing I could think of to do was to suggest that we put him in touch with someone that could help, and I got the feeling that he thought we were going to trace the call or something and just hung up. We were stunned, so we just went to commercials and cut the bit off for the rest of the day. Within 45 minutes of the call, the station was blowing up with an influx of calls and faxes about the case. It, w- it was 1990." They were desperate to know if the call had been for real. Many of them criticized the radio hosts, chewing them out for their treatment of the call. Some were very angry that they had acted so flippantly throughout the beginning of the call, not treating it seriously, while others chastised them for not doing more to keep the man on the line. The hosts defended themselves, saying that they didn't take the case seriously at first because they had no idea where the call was going. They thought that the man was going to admit to something trivial such as keying her car the police began to work on figuring out which exact murder case the confession was referring to without having much luck the police believed the call to be from northern california possibly even farther north and the caller to be a white male between the ages of 35 and 45. before too long they did notice that the case shared similarities with that of the murder of a 19-year-old woman in Oroville, California, Angela Cummings. Although she was shot in addition to being beaten, the other details of the case lined up, and the police had always considered her boyfriend to be their prime suspect in the case. However, they were never successfully able to link the call to the case. Ryder and Baxter were accused by viewers of faking the call in order to boost ratings and spread word about their show, Both adamantly denied this, saying that they had nothing to do with the call, although they did admit that they had no idea if it was a hoax perpetuated by someone else. They did, however, claim to at least feel that the case was genuine. They debated canceling the Confess Your Crime show for good after what had happened, and faced additional questions from the police, despite supposedly not having any information to give. Intentional or not, the call did boost awareness of the show, quite a bit in fact, with dozens of news stations descending on the station within days. The show received widespread attention, even being aired on Unsolved Mysteries twice. The two hosts broadcasted the entire call on their show a further two more times, asking for leads on the case. Burbank police received hundreds of calls about possible leads. However, none of those calls would lead to what eventually ended up closing this case. A local man named Dan Feliz was soon hired on by K-Rock to be an intern for the station. As he began to warm up to co-workers, he slowly got in on the gossip that spread around the station. Eventually, he learned the truth about the radio confession. From what he had heard, the two hosts, Ryder and Baxter, conspired with a fellow DJ from Arizona, Doug the Slug Roberts, to perform the phone call as a hoax to boost ratings. The Slug was the voice on the other end of the call who confessed to the fake crime. As what some theorized to be a thank you, he was later hired on by K-Rock as a new disc jockey. Eventually, word got to the police. Sergeant Yarborough, whose job it was to handle unsolved murders, spent weeks and weeks going through hundreds upon hundreds of different leads, and even coordinating the investigation with police agencies across the country. Due to the vagueness of the confession, dozens of police stations across the entire country believed the confession to be linked to one of their cases. In fact, there was a mother and father in Northern California who were absolutely convinced that this was a confession to the murder of their daughter. Ten months after the initial call, The police began conducting an internal investigation within the radio station and its parent company infinity broadcasting corporation eventually a lawyer from infinity contacted the police directly via a letter clearly stating that the statements made by the caller were untrue and more particularly that the homicide described by the caller did not occur infinity offered to make a substantial donation to the police department to reimburse them for the money that they had spent on the investigation. However, they would not accept it. Their intentions may be forthright, but we will not be accepting any type of donation. We may very well ask to be compensated for the time spent on this case, but that would go to the county general fund, said Sheriff Lieutenant Russell Collins. It was thought that this whole ordeal would be a massive FCC violation as well, Some similar cases of hoaxes resulted in broadcasters losing their license. Needless to say, Infinity was shook. Eventually, Ryder and Baxter completely confessed to the hoax, with management claiming that they had zero involvement. They admitted that the call had, indeed, been a hoax to boost ratings. Which it did. Very well, in fact. Bill Richards, an employee of a competitor station, said that, Even if it costs the station hundreds of thousands of dollars in FCC fees, it's well worth it. Bad publicity is still publicity, and they're getting a ton of it. They would soon apologize on air, saying, We apologize. We didn't think it was going to go this far. The pair were swiftly suspended from their jobs for six days without pay. They had not only conducted a hoax, but they perpetuated it, saw that it was wasting loads of police time and funding, And continued to press that it was true. They didn't necessarily feel any fear until the FCC started investigating the case. They were facing the loss of their broadcasting licenses, and even twenty thousand dollars in fines. The FCC wanted to send a message because they knew that if they didn't do something, these hoaxes would continue to happen. Ryder and Baxter were presented with a $12,170 bill from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to compensate for the man-hours spent working on the case. They were also ordered to perform 149 hours of community service. Unsolved Mysteries was forced to air an update on the case, informing viewers that it had all, indeed, been a hoax. Due to it not even being an actual crime, The segments involving the hoax have been removed from reruns of the show and are no longer available to view. Years and years down the road, Ryder and Baxter look back on this period of their life with shame, refusing to ever really discuss it at length on record. Those weren't the happiest days of our lives, said Ryder. We knew at the time that we were in trouble. We knew we did a dumb thing. We screwed up, and it got away from us. Baxter would say, it just happened to be the most public mistake of many mistakes that we've made at this job. The fact that we haven't gotten in that kind of trouble again shows that that's not the kind of thing we do. Due to their punishment, the FCC decided to back off of the case. The two actually managed to remain on the air for almost three more decades, all the way up to 2019. Now, Ryder actually hosts the show here on YouTube, called Great News with Kevin and Mike. Baxter has a paid podcast on Patreon called A Cup of Tea and a Chat. Angela Cummings' mother, Liz Cummings, was devastated to hear that the call was a hoax. She had been fully convinced that this call was legitimate and likely related to her daughter. Her daughter's case remains unsolved to this day. They have done their best to put this embarrassing, shameful incident in their past.